0: Hello and welcome to the still to be determined podcast the podcast that follows up on topics from the youtube channel undecided with matt farrell. I am not matt farrell and contrary to the opinion of some of our viewers and commenters we are not twins. (laughs) If we are twins our mother was in labor for 3 years (laughs) and Matt would have been born much too large. (laughs) I am sean farrell. I am a writer and I'll be the host and question asker and with me is matthew and Matt will say hi now. Hi now I knew you were going to go for that <laughs> Yes. <laughs> before we get into the episode just a quick reminder we have several ways that you can support the podcast those include listening as you are doing right now to the sound of my voice there's also subscribing there's commenting. And if you'd like to support us directly, we do have a link at stilltbd.fm. And there is a little jar there that you can throw some coins in if you are so generous. Thank you to everybody for listening and for whatever support you're able to give. Before we get into the heart of this episode, I wanted to bring up some comments that appeared on our last episode. And I thought I'd start with Asklev Solar, who wrote. I have to chuckle I wonder if the brother who is the youtuber gave his brother advice on the lighting and he was like nah (laughs) ask love you've you struck a nerve um (laughs) the reality of the situation here is that the this youtube incarnation of the podcast is relatively new the episodes that had appeared prior to I think it was. 8 weeks ago maybe yeah, had all been uploads of just the podcast version so there was no image there was no face to face uh, happening for the youtube version and we decided to try out this video version instead of just the audio and it worked out pretty well and people seem to like it and it's been a lot of fun doing it this way. It feels more like a conversation I think it helps engender some of the responses between Matt and me. So that's a lot of fun but it did come with it the reality that (laughs) Matt literally has a studio rig in his home (laughs) including lighting that is bolted to the ceiling. He has gone to school for video production. He. Has decades of interest in this and building <laughs> all this stuff with various video cameras, high level computer gear. Uh, I won't even speculate at the thousands upon thousands of dollars spent putting all of this stuff together at his end. Yeah. <laughs> I am working on what was formerly a public school laptop <laughs> that was sold. And purchased by me and reformatted to use Ubuntu software, which is a free operating system. And then I've Jerry rigged a setup here where (laughs) I'm on literally our grandmother's desk, which was sold at Woolworths for probably $20 back in the 1930s. And it's a lovely desk, but it was never designed for a computer. (laughs) (laughs) and other than the laptop i think every piece of hardware i am using microphone stand audio connector were all given to me by matthew (laughs) yes and i on a weekly basis break this stuff out of storage and put it together and then at the end of the recording i break it all down and put it away because this is where i do my day job so i need the computer set up my work computer which is a different computer. So all of this shows up on we record this on sundays. So sunday mornings all of this stuff comes out the video being a sort of oh let's give this a try. We did it a couple of times and it was working out well and it was during a time of year when the sun was not making much of an appearance here in brooklyn especially at this apartment the direction that the building faces there wasn't a lot of bright light and as we move deeper into (laughs) spring. And the door that is behind me, with a window in it, began to let in more and more early morning light. We finally reached the point where I was now just a ghostly silhouette. You look like you were emerging back the light. Yes, it. (laughs) And so that our viewers started commenting, like, um, "Is Sean descending from the mothership? It looks a little bit like Close Encounters." So I started again the whole jerry rigging thing. I for a little while tried using a cut up cardboard cut up paper bag that I taped over the window and because I didn't want to look like I was living in a hovel I've most recently (laughs) tried the new setup which is an old curtain that I found which is actually a blackout curtain so it's perfect for this but it has large it's starting to fall by the way (laughs) Oh, I'm sure it is. Yes. Large (laughs) grommets that I'm holding into place with suction cups. So this is the magic of YouTube. This is this is what Asklev is pointing out which is Matthew yes has given me many tips on lighting and at the beginning of this episode he said oh you look you look much better than you did previously. That's great. So it is a work in progress. We are trying very hard to make this work for everybody including ourselves and Matt you'll (laughs) let me know if I need to go back there and re suction the suction cup (laughs) should I should I go do that right now. Why don't you go do it right now. (laughs) This is how the sausage is made folks. It's not pretty but we hope it's delicious. Another question that was uh, posted on the last episode was from Ian M Burke and he wrote I collect rainwater I have a large garden chickens bees fish. What's wrong with being an urban prepper also made a solar escape pod rv conversion on my jeep. Maybe there's just some gene that makes people this way and Ian I don't know you and I'm not saying anything negative about you. I don't intend to say anything negative about you. But I kind of agree with you. I think there might be a gene in some people that just makes them think in this way prepare and and not prepper in a a negative you know living in a bunker with a sawed off shotgun sort of way just people for whom that kind of problem solving that kind of thinking of how do I get back to something that is more maybe rooted in the ground as opposed to relying on purchase and consumerism. I think that there is maybe something genetic and. And being, also self-sufficient. Probably, yeah, being yeah. self-sufficient and and I have a lot of respect for that that's that's a a way of living and a and a kind of style to your life that I think is very attractive I can understand that and I say that as somebody who lives deep in an urban center and is very happy with being able to walk to the corner store to get a gyro instead of having to figure out where my chickens have laid their eggs. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it takes all kinds i guess is what we're saying so today's episode we're going to be focusing on matt's most recent episode from his channel which was dropped on april 6 2021 it's titled is the future of renewable energy inevitable question mark and that's a very good question and many of your commenters simply said yes yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> they yes yes it is it is inevitable I tend to agree that the short answer is a yes. I can't help but wonder and maybe this is the speculative writer in me that is kind of flashing back to a kind of steam steampunk uh, era and wondering if if the changes we're speculating about now feel as inevitable or questionable as advances in the steampunk era did if there were you know we, you've in your video you highlighted people like tesla and westinghouse and edison these are yeah. people whose names are still used today uh i my day job when i was actually expected to go into manhattan for a for a brief period of time our office was located on a street that was renamed tesla way and clearly in honor of of a man whose work for a long period of time maybe wasn't as well recognized as it is now as we're entering an era that that really highlights a lot of his ideas as the best way Mm -hmm. Um, and somebody like Edison or somebody like Westinghouse like how many people are have Westinghouse products in their homes not his main focus when he was alive but that's the legacy of his company and I couldn't help but wonder do we look forward and say oh well is this as inevitable in a way that's similar to what they were thinking at their era or Mm -hmm. do we have more certainty because we're standing in a place which is already paved by them. I was just wondering if you had any thoughts about that. Do you think that we have more certainty because we are already in a place where what they were doing is not any kind of fiction. It is our reality.
1: Are you talking about more in general of like the state of progress that we're moving forward now because of people like them for what they did before.
0: Right. Do you think that we are facing fewer questions Around what the future might look like than they did, because no. when they were speculating, they were doing it at a time when it was literally in some cases horse and buggy were still the main mode of transporting goods.
1: No, I, I don't. It's like when you look back. I didn't bring it up in the video specifically, but when you look at the, uh, the non-believers or the people that couldn't see the future that they were building, the backlash against some of these technologies then, you could like lift them and lay them on top of some of the stuff that we're hearing now about renewable energy. It's like it's just it's human nature. It's like change is scary change is difficult. Um, There's I always call it status quo thinking. It's like the way things are today is the way they always have been and the way they always will be and that's human nature not to be able to take those blinders off and kind of see where the hockey puck is going um, Mm. versus where it is right at this moment and commenting on what Edison was doing back way back then or Tesla or any of those guys. Um, it's the same thing today. So I don't think that this is necessarily easier than what we were seeing then. I think it's just as difficult now as it was then and forward progress is always happening. Cause that's once again, human nature, it's like, there's curiosity and learning and figuring out why things work the way they do this, the scientific method, all that kind of stuff is kind of propelling us forward. And there's always gonna be like a, a elastic band people, you know, attention pulling us back from that there's it's constant like yo-yo went back and forth and so right now we're in that swinging forward rapidly and there's a lot of kind of a collective freak out from people that's part of the reason i made this video mm-hmm. was i get a lot of backlash and people talking about how climate change is a hoax it's not real um when i talk about things like solar power people say oh just go nuclear it's like there's there's always a counterpoint to every topic I talk about and it's like so this was kind of trying to address that at a kind of a high level of we've been here before we're doing it again and trying to give it context to understand this change is coming and we can't judge it based on the downsides we're seeing today because those downsides are getting worked on and there's an evolution happening right now. So if you look to where the hockey puck is going it does look inevitable but you have to make sure that you're taking off those blinders.
0: Yeah I'm reminded of a lot of models of thinking Yeah, you know, the, the there's constantly the Malcolm Gladwell's of our society are constantly creating new metaphors and and ways of modeling thinking and progress and I'm reminded as you were talking of things like reaching a tipping point. Um, you know, we as a society, and that's society on a number of different scales, everything from a community to a city, state, entire country, world. Um, public sentiment, public assumption, reaching a certain point of familiarity and comfort with a thing can be the tipping point. Um, you can have a breakthrough in technology that just lowers cost as being, the tipping point where the public doesn't even quite really know the details of it yet but just the availability of it and the cheapness of it suddenly it's just around them and it's in the air I wonder do you see one of these over the other at work in some of these technologies for example transition to non gas cars is clearly being was being driven I think a number of years ago by the advances in technology now it feels like it's it's the public understanding of it and desire for it that seems to be pulling as opposed to a company pushing. Yeah. Do you see one or the other being more clearly evident for you right now across the board like do you do you get a sense of like oh right now it's public understanding that is driving this forward or do you think it's more the research and the tech that is being driven by cutting costs and and companies looking to shave dimes out of their spending that is pushing this forward. That's interesting
1: way to look at it. Uh, Initially it's obviously it's um, government incentives and programs like that that really kind of help to push this stuff forward we're at a point right now where the we're exiting that phase. So it's like what I'm seeing is of all the people in the industries I've talked to in the energy industry specifically, there is just in the past few years, there's been a radical shift in thinking where you can tell that pretty pretty much every energy company recognizes the future is renewables click. And the reason for that is money, 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 money makes the world go round. And every single one of them I've ever talked to has said the same thing we're going, one of the primary reasons we're going here is we're going to save millions doing this. You know, we're going to build this battery farm and it's going to save us $8 million a year. We're going to shift to solar and not do that natural gas plant. It's going to save us X amount a year. Money is driving people into that, that right now, but that's from the energy sector, from the public point of view of what I've seen is there seems to be, we're at the, we've, we've entered that turning point for electric vehicles. I think where the public wants them now, yeah, uh, which is motivating a lot of companies and I think we're starting to see that turn in renewables from people as well because there's more interest starting to gain around community solar projects, getting solar on your own home. There's a lot more interest coming from there, which is helping to pull that forward, but I don't think we're quite there yet because there's still <laughs> there's still a, a lot of uh, solar panels is a scam. It's just a, you know, it, it makes no sense. There's still a lot of that going on, Mm -hmm. but, um, from the energy sector, there's not, it's, it's pretty much it's turned. It's, it's one of those, that's part of why I feel like it is inevitable from my point of view, because from a grid energy standpoint, every, every utility, every energy company recognizes we can save a lot more money if we just go down this path and that, that alone is kind of like sealed the fate of fossil fuels. And the other thing that you can look at is a lot of gas companies, oil companies are investing huge amounts of cash into EV charging networks and renewable energy companies. And so it's like, if the oil companies are starting to invest in a a big way in this, you can, it's, it's the writings on the wall. It's like, even the oil industry is recognizing that's the future. So (laughs) I don't think from a public perception, it quite is there yet. It's getting there.
0: Yeah. I think that it's, as you said, uh, when oil companies are doing that, it's, an indication that ultimately they're not oil companies they're money pools they are they are people who want to make money they aren't in oil because they love oil they use oil to make money and they're they're they're
1: energy companies they make money from energy how you get that energy they don't give a crap about it's like how can they maximize their profits and they're going to go there
0: that's and a, that's that that lays bare some of the ludicrous arguments around pushing comments that are sometimes made in political circles that refer to the sources of the energy as the important part yeah you know, right. the yep. like it's it's coal is what's important and it's just like no jobs yeah. are important the people who are digging the coal out of the ground that job is important to them but the coal itself is not the important part. So it becomes then well how do you ensure jobs will be maintained how will jobs be how will a workforce be transitioned from doing this with coal to something else with something else and the the arguments about somehow maintaining a tradition around the source. It sounds ludicrous to think that in hundred and fifty years people will be be defending our solar way of life like yeah. we need to maintain yes. our panelhood and make sure that this is still at work' <laughs> it's, it's it goes back to what you were saying about change being hard yeah sometimes the arguments the counter arguments sound to me very much like they get distilled down into the most obvious concrete thing in front of you mm-hmm. because the other part of the argument the pro argument is going to such a nebulous future. It can be very very scary. Um and I was thinking as you were talking for me recently I've noticed a shift in the rhetoric that is used in advertising around cars and there was most recently one from chrysler that I saw where it was advertising a hybrid car and I thought that that was important Because they were in the advertising imagery, the commercial was showing nothing but electric. Yeah. The revelation that it was a hybrid car was toward the end. But the literally stated message was this is a hybrid car. So you still get the benefits of what you're used to, but you can live a lifestyle that's in line with your ideals yeah and the rhetoric behind that to me said oh there was, there was a shift there they are saying to people we know what you want and we can't give it to you yet but we're getting closer yeah and that's a very different argument from what these advertisements five years ago would have been saying where it would have been like the reliability you expect mm-hmm. like, this car is what you know why change now power 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 like they would have been focused on torque and speed and braking and all of those details. But this was all about we know you have ideals and you're having a hard time living those ideals. We're trying to get there with you
1: very different argument yeah even beyond that I mean that's a great example and and to to kind of go on a little further with that one of the things I love is. America is a truck country. Like we drive huge SUVs and big trucks where in Europe, it's all very small cars. And one of the things that's always, you know, there's people doing what's called coal rolling where they will deliberately do things to their trucks so that they can put it to certain gear and just spew exhaust like pollution. And they'll come up in front of Tesla's and other EVs and do this thing and just blow (laughs) exhaust all over them. Like you're a real man that's that's what makes you a real man right what i love is that the ev trucks are about to start hitting the market next year we're going to see the cyber truck we're going to see the rivians we're going to be seeing like the ford f-150s and like the like we're going to get all the, the silverado we're going to be seeing all these amazing ev trucks hitting the market and, they and most of them things. with
0: recognizable names that you just said. correct those are like the main yeah those are the truck lines that are well known Hummer.
1: Like there's going to be an EV Hummer coming out next year. It's like, there are going to be these massive EVs that are going to just eat regular trucks for lunch. And what's so cool about these EVs that are coming, they can do things that the manliest man that loves their truck and loves trucks is going to be like, Oh, I I kind of want that. And it has nothing to do with it being an EV. It's like, The Hummer can do what they call crab mode. The Rivian R1T can do um, basically what they call tank mode it's four wheel driving the tires all turn and you can go sideways you can do spin <laughs> in place you can like you can do things that no regular truck can do and it has more torque and more power and, and you can you can actually power your power tools off of the truck because they have actual outlets that you can plug in your your right. your saws and other things like that into it so a contractor
0: or, going into a right area with built-in compressors
1: wow. like you can get built-in compressors so if you have compressor tools you can just plug into the it's like all built in. It's like, these are going to be the man's man's vehicle and their EVs. And it goes beyond just, oh, it's better for the environment. It goes into this truck can satisfy 10 things I like to do that my current truck can't do. And that alone is going to be the nail in the coffin for gas trucks. I just just love how there's going to be a point at which the argument is not going to be it's better for your ideals for the environment it's just gonna be this is just a better truck it's just a better car it's like why would you not want that
0: just I I want a truck that can go sideways it's like that's gonna be fun (laughs) that kind of (laughs) goes. Talk about parallel parking. (laughs) Yeah that sounds that sounds remarkable and I I I envision like you know the city is not built for trucks It, it it I recently rented a car and I had to I had to take a trip and driving through the city and coming bumper to bumper with some of the vehicles the size that they are in New York City streets. It's really just ridiculous. It's like you're not you're not a contractor you're not hauling anything what is this vehicle for you I don't I don't get the desire there but something like that in a city environment where you're able to parallel park as long as the space is big enough and you can just pull in sideways that's going to be remarkable and there's going to yeah. be a huge urban market for that kind of vehicle that can do that kind of thing because yeah. obviously it makes sense um, and everything you just said kind of fits in with a couple of notes i was making as we were talking which i wrote down the quest, the question what is the thing that broke the anti argument meaning back in the steampunk era I'm calling it steampunk era steampunk is a particular type of science fiction. <laughs> yes. So this was not uh, it was not a steampunk era in the past. It was the steam powered era but in that era I was I w- wrote down the question what is the thing that broke the anti argument and then you kind of touched on it a couple of times as you were talking about other things and saying it money makes the world go around it was the the dollars that that save things and I was and I'm thinking now with the whole argument about environment and protection and the the ad that I saw with the argument that this car it fits with your ideals yeah. Um, and then you're following up of eventually it won't even be about the ideals it'll just be a better vehicle it'll be the better choice and you think back to hauling of goods vast distances via wagon pulled by horse yeah, gave away inevitably to a steam powered locomotive not because anybody said we are really upset about how these horses are being treated we don't <laughs> think it's nice and there's horse poop everywhere and the horse poop smells and yeah. I step in it and I don't like it and so we need to transition to steam engine because of all the horse poop. It was somebody said oh I can haul literally a thousand times as much in half the time and save that much money and make that much more money. That's what drove the transition. Exactly. And it strikes me that leaving the steam era and the sources of the fuels being largely coal and wood burning. You could take a you could make a certain argument that the shift out of the steam powered era may have saved the environment because the burning of those fuels was bad for the environment. London was during that era apparently a filthy place to live because it was covered with soot yep and that would have been an unhealthy environment for the average person and nobody was making the argument we need to move away from burning coal to save the environment. It was at that time an accidental byproduct now it's one Mm -hmm. that people vocalize I just think it's interesting to think about how you said the anti argument from the past could be laid over the current transition Mm -hmm. and it seems like what you're also saying is that the reason for movement forward from the past could also be laid over the present that yes hundred percent the underlying arguments against and legitimate reasons for the change are unchanged what has changed in this era seems to be largely the rhetoric around it and the ideals around it. We're now (laughs) saying things like this is better for the environment as opposed to I can't have a coal engine in my wagon I need to buy a car in order to go where I want to go it's the rhetoric seems to have changed and the ideals seem to have changed but the underlying anti argument and the the driver forward seem to be very very similar it's the
1: same yeah you hit the nail on the head it's the same it's like you can literally just apply it and that's part of why I was thinking in that video it's like You can look to the past to learn about the future because you can see on where we stand in the transition to clean energy just by looking at the what you were talking about the industrial revolution in the early 1900s it's like you can just look at that and go okay well we can kind of basically apply that to this because and we're right at the beginning of that s curve so it looks like we're in a daunting period and there's lots of people bringing up great you know really compelling arguments for the cons of why we shouldn't do this. But it's like, you got to look <laughs> to where things are going and why they're going the way they're going. Right. Just look to the past. And it's like, it, it maps very, very well.
0: Do you also think it may be some confusion, uh, generated by buffet thinking? There are so many options. There's no one clear winner. It's funny that it's funny you bring that up. Cause it's so funny how people seem to have chosen
1: their, you know, we, you know, I'm, I'm a, New York Yankees fan or I'm a Patriots fan because I'm in New York, New England or whatever it is. It's like you pick your teams. It's like people seem to be doing that with energy sources which I find so funny yeah. like there are people that are so pro nuclear. Doesn't matter what you say they're all just go nuclear. There's people that are pro solar and they don't care about anything else. It's like why are we picking a team here? It's like, it's not going to be, there's not going to be a one size fits all solution. And there, there isn't one today and there's not going to be one tomorrow. It's all situational. It's like, what makes the most sense for this? What's, what's the use case and where do you live and what's the best solution for this area for this need? It's like, there's going to be kind of a hodgepodge of solar, wind, hydro, nuclear, fill in the blank, Mm -hmm. eventually fusion maybe. (laughs) So it's like, it's just one of those, it's funny that people do tend to pick a team. It's like I'm an apple user I'm an android user right
0: I'm solar I'm nuclear. It's 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 very funny to me I I guess I'm at this point uh, I'm pretty close to wrapping up this conversation. I would just say that it seems to me almost like that would be an interesting subject for one of your videos yeah. because what you are describing is effectively people choosing their tribe. Yes and I think that there is something I'd be interested in in if you were to examine that the, the subject being is there something about people that drives us to pick a tribe about everything and we may not be aware of it and I know that that's one of the things that happens as social media grew it was evident and obvious and tribe selection became a thing that marketers talked about that Mm -hmm. people choose a tribe and then you need to figure out how to communicate with that tribe to sell things to them and tribe thinking is very clearly evident in in political circles right now where everything is so polarized and everything is so tightly wound. There's very little gray space between ways of thinking and I'm reminded of of on my own in my own life. There was a point when I was younger when I was a child I remember very clearly debating with myself was I a star wars kid or a star trek kid (laughs) (laughs) because you couldn't be both because I couldn't be both and it was I recently brought this up with with my family I was talking with my girlfriend and my son and I was talking about that particular thing I was like I had when I was young I felt a kind of dilemma around it of wanting to pick wanting to know it was the right choice because being wrong felt in some way like a form of of almost like cheating like it felt like I was being untrue to myself and the thing I should be aligned to and it was very important to me as an adult I look back and I'm like I mean obviously I can love both that's no big deal. But there's something there. Nobody told me I had to choose. You just said yeah. it a few moments ago. Like, I don't know why people feel they need to choose about everything yeah. in some cases advertising marketing life does say you need to choose. Religions are not like eh give it a shot you know a little from column a a little from column b. Religions are saying you need to be here pick. or not yeah, pick. Yeah, you need to pick uh, you know when you and I grew up we had to face the pepsi challenge what trying times those were. Walking into a supermarket <laughs> where there would be a table with two small cups it's of a, soda being poured Pepsi? for you, and you would taste the two and you would tell them which one you preferred, and then they would proudly show you when you had picked Pepsi. And uh, I knew from a very young age that I was the Coke guy because yeah, I would always select Coke and I would just snort it right off the table. No, that's not what's happening <laughs> so. I guess what I'm trying to say is I think it would be an interesting subject for your channel to take a look at that kind of thinking. What makes people double down so much and choose something so much and hold so much and it goes back to my question before what is the thing that broke the anti argument. What Mm -hmm. is I'm interested in that like what when is the tipping point coming or has it already happened in our current era what was the tipping point in the past i'm i'm fascinated by these kinds of of thinking around thinking so that's where your your video took us it was quite a long discussion on this one it it really spurs on a lot of um it's very philosophical yeah which yeah resonates with me so i'm a philosophical guy and you have a degree in it <laughs> yeah. and and this is what i can do with it there you go With a curtain connected. That's falling down again. Yeah, curtain. (laughs) That one suction cup. We're holding on with suction cups, people. (laughs) Suction cups that I have, in fact, licked.
1: (laughs) We're (laughs) not going to go there. (laughs)
0: We're going to leave it at that. As usual, wrapping up this episode, we're going to go into some quick recommendations around things that we've been watching to pass the time as we wait for our. Vaccinations and our vaccinations to take effect so we can re enter the world happier and healthier. <laughs> Matt, I'm going to flip a coin. It's in the air. Choose quickly. Tails, tails, tails. Oh, it's heads. <sighs> yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'll go first. Okay. So, the two things I wanted to talk about one of them is available on HBO Max, it is the show Search Party, it is a TBS program that is now available on HBO. Somehow in my mind it is much more recent than it actually is I was we started watching it with me thinking that we were catching up on 2 seasons. It apparently is 4 but this is a sitcom that was created by Michael Schollwalter, who was of the state and he created it with Sarah Violet Bliss and Charles Rogers. And it stars Elias Shawcat, John Reynolds, John Early, and Elias Shawcat is she was maybe an arrested development, and I think I've talked about this in the past. I wanted to bring it back up because i we've just finished the first season and it reached a place where very close to the end of the season, I was thinking, how are they gonna sustain this? How is this the entire setup is these 4 friends who have been friends for a long time and knew each other in college have a college acquaintance who has gone missing and has become a kind of news story in the city that catches Eli Shawkat's character. It catches her in a sense of would anybody care if I disappeared mm-hmm. and she becomes fixated on finding this young woman and her friends and her boyfriend are all like what is this all about why are you doing this but she's pursuing this it is a very dry style of humor it is a very a lot of it is awkward setup so it's you know so kind of a curb your enthusiasm kind of style of humor mm-hmm. mixed with a mystery and as michael Showalter described it himself he said it's it's got a kind of twin twin peaks ish tone to it odd people in a recognizable world dealing with a hard truth and as it came closer to the end of the 1st season and I found myself thinking how are they going to sustain this how is this search going to be continued through season after season after season and by the end of the 1st season within a couple of episodes in ways that make complete sense the show takes a sudden turn and takes on an aspect that I didn't anticipate I won't say what it was but it reminds me of the tone of shows like breaking bad where the show is Mm. now clearly not about the setup the premise of the search it is a question of the morality of the main characters themselves what lines will they not cross and when they do cross them for what reason and it's about the bleeding edge of our internal ethics and our morality where things start to go further and further and further and for what they think are very good reasons they begin to do worse and worse things and 1 of the characters in 1 of the episodes says to another I am right now trying to figure out if you have always been a terrible person and I am only now recognizing it or whether something has recently happened to make you a terrible person. That's in a nutshell what the show is about and once that happened that turn took place that line was said I saw where the show was going now I'm like now I see how they can sustain us and now I see how it's existed for 4 seasons. So I we just started the second season. It literally picks up right after the first season so it's very bingeable. It's it's definitely that sort of again like breaking bad like episodes stand very strongly alone but feed 1 into the next to the next I don't know for a fact that they have a large story arc in mind from the very beginning but it certainly feels that way. So I'm really enjoying the storytelling in the show and I'm enjoying the humor. It's a style of humor that I think is is fantastic the very dry very well performed awkward moments. And it doesn't go as far as Kirby enthusiasm in making my skin crawl. I I can't watch Kirby <laughs> I can't enthusiasm watch those. because I can't. He he is such a terrible person that the it moments that are cringeworthy make my skin actually tighten up, and I can, and I can't watch it. So, but this is this is not to that level. This is Horror. not to that level. Think of this okay. in in uh, the vein of if it's always sunny wasn't as clownish. Okay. and is clearly absurd if those characters were more recognizable realistic in a world where something outside of their quartet happened that would make them reveal more and more of themselves in ways that made them look at each other in new ways and made other people look at them and say what's wrong with you that's right. that's what's going on. Interesting. Uh, where where it's always sunny is taking it to the very far extreme, you know, Extreme-ish. yeah. 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 The other thing I wanted to talk about is a movie that we just watched called About Time. And this is directed and written by Richard oh, yeah. Curtis. And it stars Dominal Gleason and Rachel McAdams and Bill Nye. And it is the story of a young man who when he's 21 is taken aside by his father who is played by bill nye and dominal gleason is the, the young man and he's informed by his father that the men in their family have the ability to travel through time and he's given instructions on how to how to do it and this is a movie that does very interesting things with a time travel story in the way that a time travel story I think should be done which is it is not about the time travel. It's about the effect that the time travel has on an individual and so the story is this young man in discovering what he can do talking to his father says what do you do with this and is right and initially is like money money power like all these things that we can do with this. And his father very quickly dismisses all of this as all of that stuff is fleeting. All of that stuff is pointless. If you do that stuff, money get, gathering money in that way, you'll end up as boring as your granduncle who did nothing with his life. What the father reveals he has done is he's, he says very pleasantly, I've read everything a person can read and I've read most of it twice. He's just he's capturing joy that he finds by being able to return to moments again and again and again to redo a thing that he loves mm-hmm. and so the sun in that moment is like then what I need to do is find the love of my life. So it's ostensibly a romantic comedy about him meeting rachel mcadams and the twists of a relationship the twists of building a life together the twists of of what 1 person could do if they could redo moments right but similar to search party this is a the theme for this podcast episode for me is the story takes a left turn and I will say the movie is a little bit more than 2 hours long I think it's 2 hour it's it's either just above or just below 2 hours I feel like. It could have been trimmed a little bit. It could have been tightened up at the beginning a little bit and there are some moments with voiceover that I really don't care for and Mm -hmm. I tend not to like voiceovers in movies. I feel like if you need a voice coming over the film to tell you what's happening then you should have revised scenes so that it could have been demonstrated better instead of having to literally have a narrator show up the movie when it takes its left turn demonstrates that it's not just strictly a romantic comedy it is it has a different purpose to Mm -hmm. the romantic comedy the romantic comedy gets you to a point and then that point you have a eureka and I again will not say what that is I will simply say that by the time the movie was over both my girlfriend and I were crying (laughs) and I wasn't uh, I was not surprised that when I recognized what the movie was actually talking about, I was not surprised at all that I would end up crying. The moment I recognized (laughs) what was happening, I was like, I get it. I'm going to be bawling by the end of this movie. Uh, And I was right. So, but it's a, it is a, at turns funny at turns, uh, very introspective, philosophical. It is about connection. It is about how you capture, what's important during the mundane because when somebody can travel through time and redo moments they think that they can redo the peak moments. Oh the turning point of I didn't walk into that room so I never met her now I can do that I can go back and I can do that so I can meet her and by the end it is examining whether or not what's really important is being able to in the moments where it is mundane recognize the beauty in the mundane so that it right. is about the time you were spending with specific people that you are capturing those moments the quiet moments as opposed to rescuing the peak moments the turning mm-hmm. points. So it is I think a very smart movie well done on the whole again at the beginning I felt it was a little slow. So if you check it out. I would say get through the first 30 minutes. It's not a terrible slog it's just a little bit like, Hmm, this kind, seems to be kind of a little wandering and a little blah. Yeah. But Once you get past that setup and it starts to pick up steam, keep in mind that you're going to see the auspices of a standard romantic comedy, but it won't just be that. So that's, that I sounds really cool. I recommend both those things.
1: That also sounds right up your alley. Cause I'm going to plug your book for you, but Sean wrote a book called a man in the empty suit, Man in the Empty Suit, which is a, I'll put in gigantic air quotes, a time travel story, but the time travel is not the point of the book. Yeah, it's the exploration of the character who basically every year meets up with himself on his birthday, and so there is basically him at every stage in his life interacting with himself and exploring how we ourselves change over our lives and we're different people near the end versus the beginning and it's it's a really trippy really cool book but the time travels like the mcguffin it's like that's the doorway into the story but the story is really about the character and the ramifications of what that kind of introspection means it's really it's a really good book recommend it thank you thank you um so for me i'm gonna read two things and they're wildly different from each other <laughs> in a very profound way. The first one is a show. I believe it's on Amazon prime. Um, it's an animated show called invincible. Um, I am bringing this up because like we talked, I talked about the justice league movie recently and how much I did not like what, uh, he did to the Superman storylines and the Batman storyline teammates. He, he made Superman this kind of angsty emo wine, whiny baby it was clearly setting up Superman to become the big villain. Um, a very, a very dark take on the entire justice league universe, uh, which is so it's so antithetical to what that stands for. For me, it was, it did not resonate well. If that kind of storyline is interesting where you, you basically have a God in Superman, but what if Superman was evil? What if Superman did bad things? What? Cause nothing could stop him. Uh, why do you have to make it superman why not just make up other characters what? like you know the watchman's a good example watchman is basically the analog for batman and superman and all these different characters and they just told a different storyline and they didn't have to come along with the baggage of existing characters we all know and love do something different invincible is exactly that it's like every one of the characters in invincible is an analog for all of the superheroes that we know and it's doing a wild wild take and it's animated but this is like a rated R TV show it is it does not pull punches and i highly recommend watching it if you're into superhero films because this is it's funny it's a really really good funny story but it the end of the first episode the end of the first episode i basically got whiplash cuz i thought i was watching imagine superman has a son and the main character of the show is the son and he's becoming a superhero he gets his superpowers and he's discovering what he can do that's the premise of the basic show so it's basically the analog to superman's son but the show goes I'm, i think i'm watching one show but by the end i cannot tell you exactly what happened there's something that happens in the show that just made me go what <laughs> this is it it was going it goes into a place that is graphic dark holy crap what the hell is happening do not show this to your children. This is crazy pants. Just whoa. So it, it it knocked my socks off. I enjoyed it before that moment. I was really enjoying it. Great, great little show. But by the end, I, I saw what they were actually doing with the storyline. And that's where it was kind of like, like what you keep saying to like alluding to like how that wasn't time travel. It was something more than that. This is exploring something with superheroes that you typically don't see. And it's really cool. Um, I I'm sorry for being so vague. All, I can't give anything away because that would really spoil it. Strongly recommend watching Invincible. It's a far better Justice League movie <laughs> than Justice League. Mm. Um, yeah. So check that out. The second thing is I'm. This is where I hard left turn. I'm starting to rewatch Columbo. <laughs> I have watched every episode of Columbo multiple times. I think this is my fourth time through the the show. And what's funny to me about this is if you had said to me when I was 13, you know, that show with the guy with the weird lazy eye, you're gonna love that show. I've been like, you're insane. You're insane. That show's so stupid. I can't get enough Columbo in into me. It's like, I want all the Columbo (laughs) multiple times. Give it, give it to me, give it to me. When I was in grad school and I was working on projects in the afternoon, you know, you have weird schedules when you're in school. So it's like I worked at nights, but during the day I was home doing projects and I would put the TV on in the background and every day on a would be, uh, it was Quincy, Murder, She Wrote, and then Columbo. And I would have that in the background. I'd be half watching it. So half watching Quincy, which is really not a good show. Same thing with Murder, She Wrote. It's kind of like, blah, whatever. But I found myself every time Columbo would come on, I'd be three quarters watching it. And then suddenly I was like 90% watching it. And before I knew it, like a few weeks in, I was like, I would stop my work and just like watch Columbo. And I was watching (laughs) it again and again. And I became just engrossed in that character. Peter Falk is so, so good in that show. And because Peter Falk was involved, he got like, for the time, some A-list talent to come in and be the murderer or the villain of the show. And so it's like got this great cast, great acting, episode after episode. They're like little mini movies and he is such a wonderful character and you get wrapped up in the fact that he is, he's basically Sherlock Holmes in the sense that he, you know who did the murder, you know why they did it, you know how they tried to cover it up and then it's all about how is Columbo going to figure it out and how is he going to catch them? because they they committed the perfect murder. But is always, he is the smartest guy in the room, but he comes across as the stupidest man in the room. And he's got this affectation that is so disarming. And he gets people, because he comes across as this bumbling idiot, they they let their guard down. And he he's always working an angle. It's my favorite part, because it's so subtle. The performance is so, oh, it's so perfect <laughs> to watch him. He's just this perfect bumbling idiot. And I remember when I was watching and realized i was watching it nonstop, and i was watching this one episode where it was just this is some of the best filmmaking i've seen on tv in a long time it's like wow that camera angle looks really familiar this feels like some kind of steven spielberg movie because like spielberg loves loves to do camera angles really low and up and dutch angles and stuff like that sometimes and i'm watching this and i'm like this feels like steven spielberg and the end of the show comes up and it says directed by steven spielberg and i almost like fell out of my chair. It's like, (laughs) this is, this is like one of the first things he directed on television. It was a Columbo episode. Mm -hmm. So it's, you're getting these great filmmakers at the beginning of their career, making it, you've got these great actors in it. I cannot recommend this enough. And I just, I heard on several podcasts, people talking about how they were rewatching Columbo and it just got that bug in my ear. So starting last week, I just started rewatching episodes while I eat my lunch and oh man, it's just, it's sublime. It's like, I just can't get enough of that show.
0: Yeah two I have two responses to that one is my version of that and then the second one is I don't know if you know about this new show that's coming out I'll start with that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you aware of Ryan Johnson's show that he's putting together with Natasha Leone the knives out stuff. It's yeah. It's it's yes. no he, he's knives out is a separate thing um, this is he but has they're, you know, a, they're making a they're series making th- three right. more knives outs I, I'm I'm excited about that. I'm excited about that but he's also putting together a show for peacock which is going to start in Natasha Leone. And it's basically been described as Columbo with her.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: So, I'm all in. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that you, you got is, me. Yeah. That <laughs> you got me. That's not a hard sell. That's no. like, and that was something that on uh in separate conversations, my girlfriend and I would talk about like I would watch a show like that before yeah. it was even pitched. It was like she is so watchable. She's so good in a show like Russian doll. Seeing her as the curmudgeonly kind of like is she catching up with what's going on detective in the room piecing things together in her style with that voice of hers. Come on. I mean you gotta watch that Yeah. Uh, and then quickly my version of Columbo, and it was the exact same thing on in the background in grad school while working on other stuff and then slowly my chair turned so I was no longer working but I was just watching it was the rockford files.
1: It was the same thing for
0: me. It was I remember when you
1: told me you did that and I was like oh come on come on last year I went through and watched every rockford files episode it was actually 2 years ago and you were so right that show is another
0: must watch It's it's so good. It's that style of of tv which feels more like it's it's lifting from movies and I think it's interesting that we're in an era now where people talk about it being the golden era of television for the caliber of actor that is working in television I think we go in and out of cycles of that and Mm -hmm. I think that that era of television in the 70s had a good amount of that where these were movie actors somebody like Peter Falk he was in some amazing films but he also did television and and the same thing with rockford files where James Garner crossed the line back and forth depending on the interest in the project and that really you know allowed for some amazing storytelling and and like you just pointed out some directors who would work in both formats without mm-hmm. hesitation uh, we seem to be re-entering that now with with some of the stuff that's being put together that's really exciting. Yeah. So our listeners should tell us what they think do they have a show like that that for them is their uh, cotton candy that they can't help but keep going back to tell us about it you can find our contact information in the podcast description on youtube you can find that directly below the video you can leave a comment there we have multiple ways to support the podcast you can do it directly through stilltbd.fm. you'll find the support the podcast link there and then you can throw us your support you can also do it simply through continue listening continue watching you can subscribe you can give us a rating a review and you can share us with your friends it really does help the podcast and then the podcast helps matthew and matthew helps me. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you next time.